0: this episode was recorded during the dual wga and sag after strike as fans and content creators we stand in solidarity with the creatives currently on strike there is power in a union i'm jp tuesday and i'm kiki
1: cannon as lifelong disney fans the work of countless talented disney creatives have
0: shaped our lives now as disney catalog fans we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark the shaped as as children lives on in adulthood.
1: Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are
0: rewatching the magic. Hey, who turned out the lights?
1: Donna Noble has left the library. Donna Noble has been saved.
0: Hey, who turned out the lights?
1: Donna Noble has left the library. Donna Noble has been saved.
0: Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. We are back in the TARDIS talking about the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, and we've reached the 10th Doctor, David Tennant. For most people, for most newer fans of Doctor Who, for people who got into Doctor Who during the current era, a lot of them got into Doctor Who because of David Tennant. And I know that you are a big David Tennant fan. I am indeed. You're pretty much watching anything David Tennant is in. I mean, if David Tennant wasn't in Good Omens, would you still watch it?
1: Of course. I wrote my master's thesis on Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, and I covered Good Omens. So, I mean, yeah, no matter who was in that, I was going to be watching that. But when they announced that uh, David Tennant was going to be in that, uh, you remember that I did break the windows on your apartment from uh my place in georgia
0: so <laughs> possibly yeah okay let me rephrase it would you have watched broad church would
1: i would you... not have watched broad church no um broad watched... church not my thing um fun fact i did uh although you know like all decent human beings i have now disavowed um the harry potter franchise the only reason i started Uh, Reading Harry Potter in the first place was because I was sick of there being references in my Doctor Who fanfic I did not understand because they kept crossing over with Barty Crouch Jr. Um, Yeah, I have seen almost everything uh, David Tennant has ever done, including some stuff that is almost impossible to find.
0: Back before he was called David Tennant.
2: (laughs)
1: Um, no, ever since he started acting, he took, uh, tenant. Ah. um, yeah, but, uh, fun fact, if you can find a, um, if you can find one of his, uh, first series, um, which is a, um, really weird, uh, little TV Series that he did when he was extremely young in Scotland called Taken Over the Asylum. It is almost impossible to find because it uses a lot of uh, pop songs and it was done in the 90s before they were knowing about like, you know, that streaming was going to be a big thing and all kinds of stuff. So they weren't able to get the rights to all these pop songs that they used in the TV show. And uh, because of that, it's never really been released and you cannot really find it anywhere. Um, I was able to find it before certain uh video platforms had that automate automated uh copyright strike thing and I was able to find it very, very early on um when people had uploaded it. It is very good and if you were able ever able to find a copy, it's really incredible. It's about people in a um a mental hospital and they run a radio station as part of their like mental therapy Mm. um but it is an incredibly young david Tennant. it was made in like um the the mid 90s um so he's like 19 or 20 or 22 maybe at the time um and it's one of the earliest things he ever did um but yeah i mean i I've, I've seen i've seen stuff that is almost impossible to find <laughs> for, for david Tennant's uh career um but yeah um and i'm loving him at the moment on ahsoka because he's uh doing the the hu yang voice
0: mm-hmm. yeah, a character he did on the animated Clone Wars, which uh we did not get to his episode when we did that and I'm, yeah. I'm kinda i kinda kicking myself that we never saw his episode before the uh the new show came on. But uh I mean also he was the voice of Scrooge McDuck for a little while. Which we have talked about. Yeah.
1: And it's uh, very wrong for me to have feelings about Scrooge McDuck, but there <laughs> there you go. Uh, one of the reasons why he probably ended up as the Doctor, of course, is because he did a um, a mini-series with Russell T. Davies before Doctor Who got the reboot um, that was about Casanova, in which David Tennant played Casanova. I could see it. It, it was a very good series. Um and so they had worked together before and both of them of course were massive Doctor Who fans.
0: Um so much so. So much for, for for David Tennant that he he before he blew up, he did a lot of Doctor Who uh audio dramas for Big Finish playing pretty much any character he could. Um when uh we talked a little bit about um Richard E. Grant, when he did the animated Doctor Who, Screaming of the Shulka, when David Tennant found out, he was like, I will take a part. I will take any part as long as I'm a part of Doctor Who. And he does one of the background characters in that as well. Pretty much, he wasn't sure, you know. If he was not already doing other things, there's a good chance he could have been the Doctor straight from the get go.
2: Yeah. It um it was a really kind of fascinating
1: thing because he was um such a massive fanboy that there is a a moment in the Christmas episode where he first regenerates and he is figuring out his outfit in the TARDIS wardrobe and he puts on this scarf and looks at himself and people are like oh you know haha the doctor's trying on a scarf and everything and what a lot of people didn't know at the time was that particular scarf he puts on his neck was the scarf that one of his relatives i think like an aunt or something knitted for him when he was a kid that was supposed to be his fourth doctor scarf so he could run around and pretend to be the doctor as a little kid oh so that is legitimately his childhood doctor who scarf that he used to play the doctor when he was a little kid
0: oh and, of course, let's get this one out of the way. He did marry Peter Davidson's daughter.
2: Yeah, and the thing
1: is, is that it's kind of interesting how they got together, because when they met on the series.
0: The doctor's daughter, Jenny.
1: <laughs> yeah, the doctor's daughter, Jenny. Um,
0: Georgia Tenet.
1: <laughs> Uh, Yeah, Georgia Moffat, later Tenet she was absolutely enamored with David and apparently she chased him pretty hardcore.
0: I love the way, I love the way Peter Davidson tells the story. It's like, you're, you're really, you know, you're really uh, infatuated with this boy, aren't you? Oh boy.
1: Yeah. But, The interesting thing is, is that um, David thought he was too old for Georgia because there there is a small age difference, but it's not a very big age difference, especially not for like Hollywood. Um, They are very close in age for Hollywood. (laughs) For Hollywood, yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah,
0: especially since at this time, David Tennant was technically still with Sophia Miles.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, she she had a crush, but I, I don't I don't think she went after him until he was single again. But the um the thing is, is that apparently he uh, the, the way I've heard the story from both of them was that he apparently was like. No, I don't think it would be appropriate, you know, I, you're slightly on the younger side for people I usually date and, you know, all that kind of stuff, Um, and it might be weird and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she apparently kept pursuing him so much that he actually went and asked Peter Davison, like, for permission, like, do you think it's okay? Is this too weird? Am I too old for her? You're my favorite doctor. Is this like (laughs) strange having a fanboy
0: date your daughter? (laughs) And they had just worked together on that on that special time crash. Yeah. Children in need. So. Um,
1: But apparently Peter Davison gave his his blessing and uh, the rest is history.
0: Side note, if you uh, if you are into the audio dramas, uh, if if you can find any of them that featured Georgia and and Peter Davidson to act, acting alongside each other, those two have amazing chemistry. And yes, it is the fifth doctor and Jenny, and it is as crazy as you think it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Georgia seems to be a good egg and uh, she's a great follow on social media. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was interesting because when David Tennant took over the doctor, you know, we've talked about this before with other,
2: uh, doctors. I did not know anything about him. Um, when he took over the doctor, Mm -hmm.
1: because I. Some of my friends were like, Oh, that guy from Harry Potter. But I had not seen Harry Potter. So I didn't know anything about this guy. He was just the guy who was the new Doctor Who. Is that how you came to it or were you already like? watching harry potter
0: i think i i i I think i i had already seen the harry potter movies but i didn't piece it together it's again same similar to to christopher Eccleston. i had seen him in stuff but i hadn't put the pieces together yet oh that guy looks familiar what have i seen him in oh yeah that's what i saw him in
2: yeah i legitimately
1: don't think i had seen him in anything Until I saw him in the regeneration episode.
0: So let's kind of pick up where we left off with that. Uh, Of course, Christopher Eccleston left Doctor Who. His reasons are his own, and I respect those reasons. We talked about that in our last episode. And this was happening during the first filming block of New Who, which means that. They had just started filming the show. Christopher Eccleston says, I cannot work under these conditions, but I will I will complete my you know, I will complete the season. But after this, you got to find somebody new. So they had to find a way to cast a new doctor without letting it be known that Christopher Eccleston was leaving the show. What do Russell T. Davis picks up the phone? There's only one choice he has, and he calls David Tennant. I need a new Doctor Who, do you want the job? Absolutely, yes, sir, I will take this job, I will be Doctor Who. So, no auditions, no nothing, because they wanted to keep it hush-hush, they didn't want the secret that Eccleston was leaving the show, and now we have David Tennant as a doctor. They tried to keep it secret for as long as they could, even filming an alternate ending to, to Eccleston's final episode. But like the day after the first episode aired, the secret was out. Christopher Atkinson leaving Doctor Who. David Tennant is the new Doctor Who. Which keeping that uh, keeping that secret for almost a full year, not bad. But somebody slipped up there, slipped up there.
2: So by yeah. the time we get
0: by the time we get to the Christmas episode, now we have David Tennant as the new Doctor Who. Him and Billy Piper have I'm going to say slightly better chemistry than she had with uh, Christopher Eccleston. Your mileage may vary. Of course, at the end of that season, the second season, Billy Piper leaves the show in a episode that some people still haven't gotten over. It's been twenty years, people. Uh, then of course we get. The introduction of Donna Noble in The Runaway Bride. And it's one episode. She declines the offer to travel with the doctor. And she's off on to do who knows what. And we get, of course, companion Martha Jones for a season. And um, Martha, you know, Martha had a great run that one season. I wish there was more, but whatever. If we get what we get. Goodbye, Martha. And then they decided that they needed a new companion for this fourth season, which was already known to be David Tennant's last full season. It was already announced you know, he was going to leave. He was leaving. He was going to do this season. He was going to do a series of specials the following year. Then he was gone. But who was going to be the new companion for this fourth season? So Russell T. Davis came up with this idea of an older companion cuz he had already had two compa- two long-term companions that were young women he wanted to go the opposite direction having a divorcee companion older not as starry-eyed not going to take a lot not for as, as easily as impressed as rose and martha were create a character name penny carter And as he's writing this character, Penny Carter, he's he's realizing I'm just writing Donna. And he was going to keep going with this anyway, because he wasn't sure that Catherine Tate was going to be available, because at the time, Catherine Tate was filming her TV show, The Catherine Tate Show. So he decided to call Catherine Tate up, said, you know what? Are you interested in coming back? But for a full season, she is all up on it. Says Yes, I will come back. I know I'm filming my show, but we'll make it work. So she is filming the Catherine Tate show and this season of Doctor Who at the same time. What a workhorse.
1: Yeah, I absolutely was so happy when Donna came back because I really loved Runaway Bride, and I loved Catherine Puck. Tate in it. Puckets! Yeah.
0: And a, a lot of people didn't think Catherine Tate could do Doctor Who because she was a comedian. and has. But as we've discussed over the years, going back into the classic series up until now, some of the best dramatic moments in Doctor Who has been done by by people with comedic backgrounds. Patrick Tr- Patrick Troughton, John Pertwee, Sylvester McCoy all have comedic backgrounds and were great dramatic doctors. Likewise, you get Catherine Tate, who is also a comedian, who also has great dramatic moments. Her Her big moment in the fires of Pompeii, where she's begging the doctor to save someone really shows you the range of what of what Catherine Tate can do. If you only knew her as a comedic actor, this really shows you that she can do more than that. So, yeah. And also, the one of the big reasons we chose this one, because, yes, it's a great episode for Donna, but it's also the, uh, as we get to this one, Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead, it is the introduction to a character... That has become synonymous with Doctor Who, a long-term character with Doctor Who, and a fan favorite, River Song, played by Alex Kingston. Hello, sweetie. And she almost did not play River. Because originally, uh, Russell T. Davis wanted her in the role of Miss Foster, the baby, the, the little babysitter lady in partners in crime. But she was unavailable, so they went with a different actor.
1: The thing is, is that Alex Kingston was not the first choice for River Song. Because originally Russell T Davies wanted Kate Winslet.
0: <laughs> Another person that Russell T Davies had worked with before. Yeah. One of Um, of his first TV shows, one of her first TV shows.
1: It turns out that Kate Winslet wasn't available or whatever, for whatever reason. And. um, Eventually. uh, Through whatever reason, it went to Alex Kingston. And when Kingston found out that she was going to be able to be on Doctor Who, she was like. Oh my God! I was such a Doctor Who fan as a child. <laughs> so so ima-
0: imagine the alternate universe where Alex Kingston got to be in Partners in Crime as that as the as that nanny, and we get uh, Kate Winslet as River Song. I love Kate Winslet as an actor. I don't think she would have done River Song the way Alex Kingston had done it because there's there's just a dynamic there that lo- love love and respect. Uh, Kate Winslet, but I don't know if she would have done it like uh, Alex Kingston would have done it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had been familiar uh, with Alex Kingston because I had watched ER. Mm. Um, And so I knew her from that, so it was kind of a shock to see her show up
2: on Doctor Who um, for me. But she just absolutely nailed the part and i can't imagine anybody else in the role
0: yeah so yeah they created this character riversong this future companion of the doctor that you know this 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 love interest from the future the doctor's potential wife uh there was some implication that she was the companion of like the forty fifth Doctor or something. Obviously, we obviously that changed when we as we got further into the season of who uh, who River's Doctor was. But uh, yeah, we have this future future companion of the Doctor who knows the Doctor, but the Doctor doesn't know River because he hasn't met her yet time travel it's it's weird yeah and I do like the introduction of the diary that because they're time travelers she has to keep her her their adventures in the right order to avoid spoilers and uh so yeah so you have have we done this yet have we done that yet have we done this yet and just you know the as she's going through these adventures, going back and back and back and just the, the 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 sadness that gets on Alex Kingston as she's saying, have we done this yet? Have we done any of this stuff yet? Who are you? And she does kind of mention this in, in later in the episode where, you know, imagine someone that is very close to you, very special to you, and they don't know who you are it's it's kind of heartbreaking
1: yeah and the interesting thing is i love that as she's going through the diary and she's saying oh have we done this have we done that and the interesting thing is is over the course of the series we will see all of the things she mentions
0: and I don't think they ever intended that it was just fans of asking, okay, when does this happen? When does that happen? And Moffat is just going, okay, we can make an episode out of that. Even in implying the singing towers in several episodes. Oh, he's going to take me to the singing towers. He's going to take me to the singing towers. And then we finally get to see them with of all people, the 12th doctor, Peter Capaldi, in their one and only interaction with each other. I, As much as I love those those two together in that one episode and wanted more, I don't know if more would have ruined what they had in that episode. Maybe it's me. Like I like that they have the one episode, but part of me wants more of those two together. But I do like the idea that this is the first and last time she sees... The Peter Capaldi face of on, on on the doctor,
2: yeah it's it's really kind of fascinating to me how Alex Kingston said that she didn't realize that
1: this was going to be a recurring part
0: i don't think I don't think Moffat knew this was going to be a recurring part. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of
1: fascinating because I don't know how you would not realize
2: it because of the way Doctor Who works, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially if you are a big fan of Doctor Who,
0: you know, <laughs> But usually when we see these kind of characters, even in the original series, it's one and done. We see this character once, even if it's a character that has known the Doctor for a long time or a future companion of the Doctor or whatever, it's one and done. We see this We see this character once, we have our adventure with them, and we never see them again. So it's kind of strange to see this kind of recurring character. Come up over and over again throughout the course of the series through multiple doctors. The only one that I could think of is the master oh yeah i I don't know it's
2: when I first watched this two parter
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think I instinctively knew I was like. They have to bring her back. It's it's too well set up. So I don't know if the production intended to bring her back. But I think as a fan, I was like, if they don't bring her back. This is such a missed opportunity.
0: If they didn't bring her back in the show, they would have brought her back in extended media. There would have been novels about River Song. Obviously, there are. Quite a few audio adventures with River Song. I mean, to this day, to this day, there are people asking for the return of Sally Sparrow.
2: I mean, I I would love that. But, of course. She's become kind of a big star now,
0: so. Yeah. So let's actually get into this two parter. The library, a planet sized library with every book ever written, copies specifically made for this library with the largest digital database in the universe being the entire core of the planet.
1: I mean, Bell is absolutely going bonkers at this moment
0: yeah it kind of does fall into that star wars thing where it's an entire planet of one thing like here is the desert planet here is the jungle planet here is the ice planet here is the city planet and now we have the library planet
1: you know what library planet is like the best thing i can think of
0: with every book ever written as even the doctor said even books that from your perspective, haven't been written yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, just, like, drop me off there and leave me. Like, that's
0: great. (laughs) Just stay there. Read every book ever written. Look up everything everything digital ever in, in this database. And I do like that moment where the doctor kind of, Stops Donna from going into the library because you know, hey, this, this is your future. You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to know these books that haven't been written yet. And uh, and I love Donna's snap back. There's a quick, well, you show me the future all the time. What's the difference? Like it said, like I, I, I just love the 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 dynamic between David Tennant and Catherine Tate throughout this entire season is just they have such great chemistry together
2: I truly believe that this
1: is the best combination of doctor and companion for the 10th
2: doctor I
0: mean
1: That's- I I think I think that 10th doctor and Donna Absolutely the best match
0: Best TARDIS team Yeah I mean like, like I said before There is a reason Why Catherine Tate is coming back To team up with David Tennant Again for the 60th
1: Well also I mean you know Spoilers but there is one of the things that that keeps coming up in this episode of course is that river when she hears donna's name looks at her and goes oh you're you're donna noble and donna keeps saying like okay where am i in the future why did she look at me like that when she heard my name
2: like donna tweaks that there is something wrong like it's it's not like oh yeah the doctor talks about you all the time and
1: like oh yeah i met you on an adventure in the i mean river's face kind of does say it all and it foreshadows what eventually happens to donna Mm -hmm. and it's our first bit that Donna is maybe not going to have the happiest ending. And ever since. I mean, let's just rip that bandaid off because we're, you know, we're jumping around here, but. But yes, it ends with like, oh, Donna's married and she's got kids and the doctor gives her a lottery ticket, so she'll always have money and, you know, mm-hmm. It tries to be like, okay, it's sad that she doesn't remember the doctor, but like he set her up for a good life, theoretically. But the fan base never really bought that. The fan base was always like really pissed off about what happened to Donna.
0: Fate worse than death.
1: Yeah, kind of.
0: Imagine going through these these. Events that grow yourself as a person you grow you become the best version of yourself and all of that is wiped away you go you reset you go back to the person you were before the life-changing event as if it never happened that person that you became that person you became is affectionately dead.
1: Yeah they set it up where like Donna was
2: one of the most important people in the universe and then she
1: has to revert and she's like begging like I don't want to go back to being like the pathetic little temp you know that I was before I I hated my life then you know. Mm -hmm. And yes, the doctor tries to mitigate it by like, you know, here's a husband and here's some kids and here's some money and whatever.
2: But yes, all of that is is fine. But it cannot compare to what she was. I
1: think a lot of the fan base was trying to be like, okay, we need justice for Donna. And I think it's why everybody's so happy that Catherine Tate is coming back at least for a
2: little bit, because even if it's like, they're coming back to like give Donna
1: a proper heroic death or something, honestly, from where I'm standing, I think that that would be a better ending.
2: Hmm.
1: I would prefer it if they would like, you know, find a way to reconcile her memories or something. I don't know where they're going with that. I hope that's where they're going with that. But I would much rather her have like a heroic death than like just her having the mediocre, Life that she did not want. I mean, she she ex- explicitly said she did not want it. Mm-hmm. Um, And the doctor. Did not allow her that choice anyway, Um, which I kind of have never
2: forgiven him for. But.
0: I don't think the doctor even forgave himself for that.
2: Well, I mean, he shouldn't, but. I love, you know, getting
1: back to this particular episode and the way that the doctor and Donna interact with each other. It's fascinating when River shows up. And it's obvious that she knows the doctor and the doctor is confused.
2: But Donna is not like. Donna kind of
1: immediately, not immediately, but very quickly believes that River is on the up with this. Like the doctor is is very, you know. He thinks River's pretty sus, (laughs) (laughs) but Donna in the way River is talking about the doctor. I think she pretty quickly figures out like River is telling the truth.
0: You know him, you're close to him, how?
1: Yeah, she's just trying to figure out how this is working rather than is this woman telling the truth. But the doctor takes a lot longer to actually believe that River is telling the truth. But I like the little bits where River says things like, hey, pretty boy over here, and the doctor does not get that, like, he is being flirted with.
0: And, oh, I'm a pretty boy.
1: <laughs> and then, and then, but my favorite bit is that Donna goes, like, yeah, of course you are. And then she's like, oh, that came out too quickly. You know, like.
0: <laughs> and she kind of
1: goes back, I was like, meh. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I like that Donna is able to. You know, we talked about, like, all the companions falling in love with the doctor. I like that Donna can be like, yeah, you're an attractive dude, but I'm not, like, falling over myself to get with you. Like, she can recognize that, like, what everybody sees in him. But she's not following him around because she's, like, an infatuated puppy, you know? Mm. Which I kind of like.
0: She just wants adventure. She wants to get away from her meaningless life as a temp.
2: Yeah. And I. But I like that she. She recognizes it. It's not that she
1: puts him down or anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like she fully understands the guy she's with. But that's just not where her interest is, Mm -hmm. which I kind of like. Um, It's also really kind of sad because. Personality wise, they're the best match and would make the best romantic couple. Because they they really do get along on that level. They are equals rather than. One part of the pairing being like a simp for the other one, for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. you know, like if the doctor and Donna had gotten into any sort of relationship, it would have been a personality equal relationship.
0: I, I think that Donna has better chemistry with the doctor than either Rose or Martha.
1: Absolutely. And she is she's willing to stand up to the doctor when she thinks he's wrong. She holds her own. You know, she she recognizes when the doctor is the person who knows more in the situation, but she's also willing to stand against him when she thinks he's doing something he
0: shouldn't. You know? Uh, yeah, and David Tennant and Catherine Tate has su- such great chemistry with each other. I have seen some clips of them in Much Ado About Nothing. Oh yeah, got pretty hot in that one.
2: Oh yeah, everything that
1: they're in together, they are absolutely just great. Some some of the chat show appearances they've done together are just like, they're, they're bouncing off of each other and, you know, it's, it's so much fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, the two of them are just great to watch play off of each other in basically anything.
0: And in terms of a friendship, the two of them, Donna, Donna feels more like the doctor's best friend than any other companion in modern Doctor Who. Even the ones that she said that any any of the other companions that the doctor have said, this is my best friend, this is my best friend, doesn't feel like a best friend relationship. The relationship between the doctor and Donna feels like a best friend relationship.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I just absolutely love it. Every second they're on screen together is just the absolute best
0: mm-hmm. but why are they in the library to begin with <laughs> we've spent about 45 minutes delaying it let's get to it <laughs> why are they in the library to begin with as donna said you said you were going to take me to a to the beach and now we're in a library showing him the psychic paper, saying that someone has called for his help with hugs and kisses signed on it. (laughs) Yeah. Donna being the first one to realize it, signed with hugs and kisses. Those are hugs and kisses. (laughs) So why are they in the library? Apparently, 100 years ago, 4,000 people were in the library and they suddenly disappeared and nobody knows why. And it's taken 100 years to bypass all the security lockdowns to get anyone into the library to figure out what's going on. Which is why uh, Riversong is there to begin with, because she's an archaeologist. And we find that Dr. <laughs> hates archaeologists. As he says, I'm a time traveler, I laugh in the face of archaeologists. But they're all there to figure out what happened 100 years ago, why did 4,000 people disappear, what happened, and what caused it, which leads us to our villain of this two-parter, the Vastra Narada. We've talked about this a lot with the modern Doctor Who, especially with the Stephen Moffat episodes, that it really goes into the real, as they say in old Doctor Who, uh, hide behind the sofa scary. The Daleks were hide behind the sofa scary in their original incarnation. The, the 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 Cybermen in their original incarnation were scaring kids behind the sofa. What would scare people behind the sofa... In the modern day. What do you get? You get stone statues. You get creepy children. And now your own shadow. Literally scared of your own shadow. Because your shadow will eat you.
2: Yeah, this is one of the more inventive things. Because it's like... As the doctor
1: puts it. Pretty much every species has an irrational fear of the dark, except it's not irrational, there is something in the dark. And Donna says, no, you know, these things can't be on Earth because the the doctor says it's on pretty much every world. And she says, well, not on Earth. And he says, yeah, of course, on Earth. And she says, well, we'd know about it. And he says, well, no, it's it's always like small swarms and they usually feed on like roadkill or whatever. But occasionally somebody walks into the dark and never comes back.
0: It does give the credence to those missing people, you know, those missing people that never get found. Turns out they're shadow food
1: yeah but he but he talks about that like usually it's a tiny swarm you know on most planets they're very tiny swarms but in this case the entire planet is a swarm basically
0: Mm -hmm. and i do like the the where the doctor kind of gives the, the story of the Vastra Narada that they come, that they usually live in trees in forests. There's no forest here. There's only, and then he gets it. And it's one of those moments that I love. And we've talked about this before when it comes to doctor who there are two great moments, either the doctor knows everything or the audience figures it out at the same time the doctor does. And this is one of those moments. Where the doctors, or everything comes together. The doctor said, there is no forest here, there is only books. What are books made out of? Especially when he says, at the beginning of this adventure... Every book in the library was specially printed for this library. So they ended up chopping down the forests of the vast Narada's potential homeworld, we don't know. and their spores in the trees are now in the paper and in the binding and in the covers of every book in the library, a planet sized library filled with specially printed copies of every book ever written. So you generally have swarms and swarms and swarms of these Vashna Narada hatching from these books. They see this library as their forest because it is their forest. Just chopped down and processed into books. And I love that realization because it's that it's one of those moments where the doctor figures it out at the same time the audience does. And I love it.
1: I, I really liked that reveal when when I watched the episode for the first time as well.
2: Mm.
1: Cause you get it as, as an audience member, you get it about, you know, two seconds before the doctor says it, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: which I love. Um,
2: but I, I like the idea of, you know, there are so many creepy parts to
1: this, Um, which is, you know, they, the idea of that you are right to be scared of the shadows, which is taking something that's such a primal fear of humans and then turning it into, you know, like, here's an explanation for it, which Stephen Moffat is shockingly good at. And we've talked about that
2: before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, love, love that. Um, And then also the idea of the the data ghost. Yeah.
1: That the first time you see that you have no soul if that does not rip you apart. The way Donna reacts to that. With the the Miss Evangelista as she's ghosting through and she wants to talk to the nice woman.
0: The only person on that on that planet who was nice to her.
1: Oh.
2: So here's an interesting thing I found out in doing my research for this episode. Um. Another great Tenth Doctor episode, uh two parter, uh human
1: nature and uh family of blood has Thomas Sangster in it as the young boy that with the low level level telepathic powers that can hear the fob watch that contains the doctor's personality in it. Mm-hmm. Um he is now engaged to the woman who plays Miss Evangelista in this episode. Huh. Ah. The two of them are engaged. They were in uh some they never worked together on Doctor Who, but they worked together on some other show recently and uh apparently had a little romance and now that's they're engaged and uh good for them, I guess. Good for them. So uh yeah. The things you you find out. <laughs> um but yeah, so that is even watching it back, and I've seen this episode so many times because you know this two-parter is is one of my favorites of the tenth doctor, which is why we're talking about it. Um, but that that bit where where Miss Evangelista is ghosting, and you know River is is trying to be nice and she's like you know the these are her last moments please be respectful and everything and donna just cannot handle it that you know like this is so horrific to her because she's never come across anything like this before you know this this technology that allows the the thoughts and The only thing there is a skeleton. I mean, they're looking at a skeleton. And it's playing the the last thoughts of. This woman, you know, Mm -hmm. um, who doesn't quite understand that she's already dead. Which is such a brutal. You know, Mm
2: -hmm. and then, of course, we get it again later on. When um when the, the doctor is mad about Anita because he knows that the, the Sebastian Narada have taken Anita and
1: it's right before his excellent speech of you know, we are in the biggest library in the world, look me up which is one of the best like mic drop
0: <laughs> a line that would get repeated by a few other doctors after this i be, I think both the 11th and the 12th would even say that i'm the doctor look me up in your database mm-hmm. yeah
1: no and it's it's great because like you know pretty much every species has some kind of like <laughs> if you if you uh, come across the doctor, you might want to think twice about that. Make sure he's on your side,
0: you know. And I, I love that 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 line not long after where River says, I've seen this man make entire armies turn and run. And we would see that. During the 11th doctor run where he makes his big speech, I am talking and, you know, whoever wants to come at me first come on and then they just all run away
1: yeah i mean it's it's the entire you know i mean we'll we'll probably talk about this more when we talk about the 11th doctor but it's the idea of you know the the good man goes to war Mm -hmm. you know thing and
2: that's that's the thing is you know the doctor basically looks at the fashion and he's
1: like, I really liked Anita and you've killed her and that's not a good place
0: for you to be. And he says, I'm willing to let it go. I'm willing to let it go this one time. Just let me save these 4000 people. You can have this planet, you can have this planet can be yours, you will, will we will leave you alone just let me get these people out of here. I
1: mean, you know, speaking of that um, human nature, family of blood thing, I mean, the the entire point of the end of that episode is there's the the narration about what happened to the family of blood at the end of that. And the entire point of that narration was that The doctor uses the chameleon arch not because he's a coward or, you know, to save himself. He was being kind to the family. He was let it he was going into hiding so that they would live out their lives and die a natural death. But they came after him and he got angry. And now all of the family live forever in perpetual torture because they killed people the
2: doctor cared about. Like they hurt people, the doctor cared about. They hurt Joan, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm.
1: and the doctor just does the most horrific things to them.
2: In
0: punishment. It it shows you that dark side of the doctor. That dark side that. You know the war doctor. Was created from. The, the side that the ninth doctor tried to put away. The side of that even the 11th doctor is ashamed of.
1: And I think the reason why people love the. Tenth Doctor so much is because David Tennant is and I mean I really do not mean to I do not mean this to be as any sort of slight against anyone else who has played the doctor but David Tennant has an absolute genius for being able to switch between the absolute cuddliest cinnamon roll in the entire universe and then the next second being the most sociopathic, terrifying, menacing figure that makes your blood run cold.
0: The doctor at his most alien
1: but but I mean, I mean, in in so many things, mm. I mean, you mentioned Good Omens earlier, mm. you know, and Crowley in Good Omens is. He's not really a bad guy. He's a demon, but the, the joke in the book is. He's not so much a fallen angel as he just sauntered vaguely
2: downward. You know but he is a demon. So most of the
1: time he's like really charming and whatever and then something will happen and it is the full force of hell unleashed upon you. And David Tennant does that better than anyone I have ever seen.
0: We've talked about this off mic before cuz we we had considered doing Jessica Jones for an episode. And him as Kilgrave is like the best part of that first season.
1: Yeah, I mean, so much so that I never finished Jessica Jones after that because there was no point to me. He was the only good part of Jessica Jones to me because that was a compelling storyline. And after that, I was not interested anymore. But the thing about Kilgrave is he is the most charming person. Until he reveals his true self, and then it's like, oh my goodness, every cell in my body is terrified. Like, David Tennant is, by all accounts, from everyone who's ever met him,
2: the nicest person on the planet, and yet he has the ability
1: in his acting to be one of the most terrifying people (laughs) when he wants to be, you know? Mm. And I think it's, it's a fascinating bit to the doctor that I, I'm not sure that the other actors in the modern era, especially have really nailed both sides, you know, uh, Christopher Eccleston was really good at the kind of dark brooding bit. Matt Smith was more good at the kind of, you know, goofy kind of doctor. You know, um, Jody again kind of good at the more like happy go lucky kind of doctor um peter capaldi was more good at the the brooding kind of you know in the in the middle there you could see more of the the war doctor kind of in him and everything but david tennant absolutely nailed Being able to go back and forth between like. Hi, do you want a jelly baby? And I am the Time Lord Supreme that, you know, genocided multiple planets, you know, like
0: the oncoming storm.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can absolutely believe that he is both. You know, a second doctor sitting there with a recorder being goofy. And also whatever happened during the time war and you know.
0: It reminds me a lot of Sylvester McCoy's personification of the Doctor. Cause we had talked about that. He's down, you know, the goofy clown one minute, and then he's the ice cold I will destroy your planet for even thinking of attacking mine.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's like I said, everybody's got their own way, but it's just
1: uh, I I think that's why David Tennant really resonates with a lot of people is that he's so good at just flipping back and forth, sometimes on a dime. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's just such an amazing portrayal and then of course he's also got the like and now I'm a sad boy and you want to wrap me in a blanket and give me snuggles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I gotta say I mean to me, you know.
0: Let's let's flip about to the other side of this. Yes, we talked about the doctor side and Donna and and River mm-hmm. Song. But let's talk about Cal. For a moment charlotte abigail lux cal the computer that runs the database that is running the entire library this little girl that we see at the beginning of the first episode and we kind of intersect to her throughout that in her in her little world that She believes that she is just watching this stuff on television, that that the library is a dream that she has. That she sees her 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 psychiatrist, Dr. Moon, and her father is there and and. She has her little fantasy world, but she also is. Somewhat aware of her true self. Like where where the 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 ghost of Miss Evangeline tries to tell Donna about what's going on and tell the truth about Cal and says no you can't you'll ruin everything and that how Cal being a human mind did what she could to save these four thousand people you know she she couldn't let these four thousand people die. By the Bastion Narada so she saved them the only way she knew how and and, and I do like how they explain in, in in the in the episode how you know they tried to transport everybody out, but there was nowhere for them to go. What do you do? You save them to the data bank. Cal saved four thousand people. she just put them in her data bank and gave them. Fantasy lives where they could be happy for the last 100 years. Just needed someone to. Extract them from the database. The entire thing there with 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 with, with Trackman, who is running the library, who has all of these people sign these waivers. And at first you think it's another. um billionaire capitalist trying to save his own butt and save his investments when you realize his family runs this library his family built this library for Cal to protect Cal so she wouldn't be seen as a freak because injecting her mind into this database was the only way of saving her life so she wants. he wants to protect his family, in a way. Not wanting her fa- his family being seen as freaks for doing what they could to save one of their own. And I do like that reveal of Stragman, because like, throughout that first half, you think he's just another villain in the story. But in reality, he's just a guy pr- trying to protect his family. He just does it in such a, in a very creepy and very, um, sus way. Well,
1: and also he, he says that he does, he doesn't want anybody. Like messing with her, you know, like they don't want anybody to, you know, come try to, like, free her, you know. uh, Be like, Oh, what what you're doing to her is wrong or whatever, because they think that what they're doing is is right.
2: Um,
1: That they're, they've given her the best life, quote unquote, that they could, you know, her consciousness is living on she's in a world where up until this happened at least she was happy she had her favorite things around her she was in a world that was tailor-made for her
0: she could live any life she wanted she had every story ever written access to her so she could if she wanted to live in any one of these stories if she wanted to it was the best situation that they could. It was the best of the situation that they had. She was dying and they did the best that they could to try to give her some kind of life and giving her a peaceful life.
1: You know,
2: I let's let's talk about that. That. Uh, fake. Bit
1: there. <laughs> um because it is one of the other really great moments from Katherine Tate because we have the the bit where the the doctor, you know, boosts the the mesh on everybody's suits and everything. He doesn't so much care about himself because, you know, he's the doctor, but he's got to help Donna So he finds the teleport and goes to teleport her back to the TARDIS. But, of course, Cal is still watching over the library. So she saves Donna and pulls her out of the TARDIS and into the virtual world. And we get Donna's, you know, perfect, quote, unquote, world. Where she has amnesia and dr moon is doing his like you forgot and then you remembered you know which is so creepy
0: almost to the point where they trying to put dr moon as another villain
1: yeah and it's it's really interesting because you
2: know once you find out what's going on you know then you're like okay but yeah um But they, you know, she goes through this
1: storyline in there to acclimate her to the world that she had some kind of amnesia and was in the hospital, and then she gets over the amnesia. She meets a guy with a stutter, and they fall in love and get married and have two children, and, you know. But then this figure in black with a veil comes in and says like the world isn't right and you have to meet me and it ends up being the data ghost of Miss Evangelista and she was improperly saved in the Wi-Fi so now she's smarter than she was but her face is all messed up because you know the the data was corrupted and you know um and it it had one of the greatest lines she has one of the greatest lines which is i have the two qualities you require to see absolute truth i am brilliant and unloved which is so you know Hmm. but miss evangelista kind of starts to point out to donna like look at all the children in the playground it's just a copy of the same boy and girl over and over again you know they're not your children they're not real they're just figments you know and donna starts to see through it and everything
0: and but she's also fighting against it because like you said this is her perfect life
1: she yeah, she her, really wants this this life, you know.
0: She has her kids, she has her perfect husband, she has her perfect life, but it's not real. It's the bat like she wants to hold on to her perfect life, but the truth is it's not real. And she's fighting with herself. Does she go back to the real world where none of this is real, or does she stay in the fantasy and have everything she's ever wanted?
1: Yeah. The the thing is, though, is that, of course, in the actual real world, the doctor is attempting to wake Cal up so that he can try to save the people that are, you know, trapped in the virtual world and, and get can, them out I, okay. because he made the deal with the Vashti Narada that he's got... One day to get the people out before the Vashta Narada claim the planet as their own and anybody left there is going to get eaten.
0: And Cal is fighting against it. You know, as the doctor is trying to type programs to wake up Cal, all of her toys in her fantasy world come to life and make noise. And she's just covering her ears because she doesn't want to face this reality even deleting the safeguards i.e her father and dr moon and we find out dr moon is an artificial satellite that circles the planet that keeps cal in check that you know it's it's a safeguard it's a safeguard program to make sure cal is okay that cal doesn't go too far one way or the other and in her, in Cal's fantasy world, this is disguised as a as a psychologist, a child psychologist. The thing is,
1: though, is that because of there's so little memory left in the system, because Cal has saved the memories and the patterns of all of the people in the library, and that wasn't what the system was made for. Um, it overloads and starts a self-destruct program and two of the most heartbreaking things in doctor who which is saying a lot start happening at the same time which is that inside the program you know the the sky starts turning red and the self-destruct starts and The children, Donna's children start questioning if they're real. And they start saying things like, because sometimes when you close your eyes, it's like we're not even here. And Donna says, then I'll never close my eyes again. And then she like blinks for just a second and they're gone. And she has like an absolute meltdown, you know? which is just so heartbreaking you know her her holding on to the children as the sky turns red and the children questioning like that woman said we aren't real are we real and she's going of course you're real of course you're real you're you're as real as anything i'm holding you right now and you know i mean catherine tate absolutely nails every bit of that because you feel just her panic
0: and even when uh her husband lee as he's called in the story comes to her is like am i real is this real are you real because he's he he gets that 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 question too
1: yeah it is it's so messed up in that that sense of you know they don't know what's going on as the world melts around them you know and everything starts disappearing and then they're pulled apart from each other and she starts screaming like no you have to be real i'll find you and you know Mm -hmm. um but of course in the real world we have the other like horrific thing which is that the doctor plans to hook himself up to the system and use his brain power as the extra boost to. Make sure that the computer has enough memory to reintegrate all the people and bring them out of the the buffer, you know, or or wherever they've been stored and you know teleport them back into the real world but river immediately is like that will kill you and he's like hey you know maybe not I'm maybe i'll
0: regenerate
1: uh, i'll probably regenerate it's fine i'm very good at not dying you know and river immediately is like haha bs also i keep handcuffs with me i mean you know i'm not going to read too much into that but um
0: They kind of go into that later.
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, she she knocks him out and handcuffs him to a pipe uh, so he can't stop her. And River
0: sacrifices herself. And And, and I like her her verbiage because it it resonates the doctor's own words, not the 10th doctor, the first doctor. Because she says you will not rewrite our history not one line and that is a line from the first doctor who has said to her, to his companions who have considered altering history saying you will not alter history not one line and i it took me a very long time because i did not get into the original doctor who at that point once i did once i heard the first doctor say that line i thought Oh, Moffitt, you genius. That is the ultimate callback. Yeah. And she does not want one moment of their history together to be erased from history. She has those mo- those moments, those memories were are so important to her. She is re- willing to risk her own life to make sure those memories happen. And she even says it to him. You knew this entire time we've known each other. You knew that this moment was going to happen because you were here for it. That explains so much, so much, so many times where you've looked at me with sad eyes, so many times where you've wondered, you know, looked off and wondered. Now I know why you were wondering because you wanted to know, is this it? Is this the final time I see her? Before this happens. And the fact that we finally we did see that moment, that final moment between the doctor and River with Capaldi, where Capaldi gives her the screwdriver, where Capaldi's doctor takes her to the singing towers and they spend those last moments together before she goes off to the library. Something that we we have not yet talked about at this point is what makes... As we said, Donna automatically knows that River's on the up and up based on how she describes the Doctor. Doctor still thinks River's a little sus until she says something to him. And we finally find out at that end of the episode that she knows the Doctor's name. His real name. Not the Doctor, but whatever... <laughs> Sure as hell ain't uh ain't theta Sigma, I can tell you that much <laughs> yeah, but uh his real name, his birth name, let's just say, and the doctor says there's only one person I could ever tell that to, and she just says spoilers before making the connection and 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 sacrificing herself, and we would find out later, obviously that. The doctor and 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 River are are a lot more close together, and they 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 have their wedding and and all of that. But but yeah, River's sacrifice. Here's this character that we've only just met in these two episodes, and for her, even when we even before she came back, even before you know, any of the other at song adventures were even thought of for the future. Her sacrifice here became such a great moment among the fandom. Cause here is this woman who has says she knows the doctor, knows the doctor very well, and is willing to sacrifice herself To keep the doctor going to so the doctor can continue on and meet her in the future and have all of these adventures that we would we never thought we would ever see but again we eventually did see them. And that's great on Alex Kingston's acting. Here is this woman who was talking to this man who the most wonderful man she's ever known. And it's just, you have to meet me, you have to know me, we have to have these adventures together, and if I have to die here to make sure those adventures happen, so be it.
2: And of course, we get a callback to the the episodes we did for
1: Ninth Doctor, you know? Mm. Just this one time, everybody lives.
0: And, and and much to Rivers own kind of in a way dismay, but she kinda of like, you couldn't let him you couldn't let him go, could you? You couldn't let any of us go.
2: But in a way it's kind of adorable, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean
1: it's it's not a bad life, really. Because nobody else is going to come there, presumably.
2: Mm.
1: And with only those few people or whatever mm. in the system, Cal will have more than enough
2: memory. And the Doctor Moon is, you know, fixed. And they're, you know,. They're able to have their own. Their own kind of perfect
0: worlds.
2: However, that may. Go for
1: them,
0: you know, as uh, as Strackman said, they have every story ever written at their disposal. They could live in any story they wanted to any life they want to. All they have to do is think it and they're there. As we've seen, you know, like with Donna, it's like, oh, I'm going to take the kids to the park and all of a sudden she's at the park. I'm going to tuck the kids into bed and they're tucking into bed. So it's like. All you have to do is think of whatever story you want to be in, you will likely be in that story. It's not a terrible existence. It's not an ideal existence either, but you will continue to live however you decide to live.
2: And the thing
1: is, is that if the doctor said, look me up and. You know, the Vashta backed off. Theoretically, River could just live the rest of existence going on adventures with the doctor. Adventures she never went on. Mm hmm. You know. Mm hmm. With doctors she never met.
0: On the on the flip side of that, you've got to feel for Donna and Lee. Because Donna goes through every single person. She goes through 4,000 people trying to find the man that was her husband in the data world. And she can't find him. Because there's no one there named Lee. We find out that Lee is not his real name. We don't know what his real name is. And she is convinced that this man did not exist that she simply created him in her own mind while in the data in the data world she created as she says her perfect man a good-looking man that is totally that totally adores her and doesn't say a word
2: well the thing is is that
1: we she assumes that that's why he's her perfect man
0: but maybe that's Not why he's her perfect man. We never find that out because, again, we see Lee right before he transports and that stutter is still there. He tries to say her. He tries to call out to her, but his stutter is so thick in the real world that he just can't get her name out. Yeah. And I feel sorry for that guy.
2: Yeah, because he didn't have the
1: the uh, ability to think. I should step off the transport platform. Like, it's not really his stutter that stops him. It's the fact that he doesn't, like, step off the transport platform and run toward her. He just stands still and tries to say her name. Like, if you really are like, oh, my goodness, that is the person that I want to see.
0: Like, go to her. He didn't think it. In that moment, he, d- he didn't think about it.
1: Well, then, not very smart now, is he? Not yeah. worthy of Donna.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Actually, um, according to the original script, according to from uh, Russell T. Davis and, and Stephen Moffat, originally the reason Donna couldn't find her husband Is because uh, it was going to be revealed that Lee was actually a woman in the real world, and then she just chose the form of a man in the data world. But they they thought that was a step too far for the for the episode.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I get where they were coming from and thinking.
1: That, you know it would have been a a bit too much.
0: Also, while I do like that idea, I don't think the audience would have gotten it.
1: It might have taken too much screen time to try to be like, this person
2: in the other world was actually, you know?
0: Would the stutter be enough? If you saw a woman stuttering, would that have gotten the message across to the audience that this woman (laughs) was actually her husband in in the data world?
1: Um, You know, for some people, yes, but I think it would have still been like. A debate until the the creators were like, yes, that's exactly what we meant.
0: So, while I like the idea of a woman choosing a male form in a virtual world, we see that all the time in video games where men will play as women created characters, M- men will play as you know men will play as women created characters, women will play as male created characters. We've seen that that's every day. But for this episode. It would have taken too much to explain that, and just having the same guy just there on the transport pod—that's enough. The the there's that moment where you think the ep- the false finish, as it were, of the episode, where the doctor leaves the diary and her screwdriver, and he walks away, and you get that narration from Alex Kingston, and then you see tenant turn around and run down the stairs and see why did they give her my screwdriver why why did they give her my screwdriver what reason would i want to give her the screwdriver and then he just oh i'm so brilliant yeah like that is probably one of the best false finishes in any tv show episode and yeah you have that 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 moment where he saves river through the screwdriver and you got to wonder how long the doctor had that 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 data core with him through the 11th doctor through the 12th doctor however many thousands of years that time span was and that was a long lasting battery <laughs> yeah what we get what was it anita saying that her father once lasted an entire day on that battery as he died in one of those suits
1: yeah something like that
0: so yeah unless you know the sonic screwdriver must have a hell of a battery life to keep that little that little thing going, but well, yeah. we
1: very rarely see him recharge the sonic i mean we we see it occasionally
0: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah,
0: but yeah this is this is one of the best. 10th doctor episode stories that there is and especially as an introduction to the character of river song especially with how important the character would become in the doctor who series in the fandom just for this to be her first appearance and her ending for lack of a better where we see we, we we technically meet river in well like the Doctor, we meet River in the wrong order throughout her entire existence in the series. Her first appearance, the first time we see her is her death. And then later on, we see her birth. Yeah. You know, we see her birth. We see her become this this character. and And the last time we see her is right before this moment. Where not only does the Doctor know, but we as the audience know that this is it the next time river does anything will be the last time and also the 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 introduction of the doctor opening the tardis was just a snap of his fingers
1: oh that's it's such a good moment i love the way that is lit mm-hmm. i mean the 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 cinematography on that the the way everything is framed and the the stance that he takes and the fact that he doesn't know if it's going to work, and that little bit of hesitation before he snaps his fingers, you know, of like, is this stupid what I'm doing? You know, like.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then when he gets into the TARDIS and he snaps it again to close the door, it's just like absolute, like confidence like i know i can do this now i am the doctor you know like
0: oh so good so good and uh something that plays up into future seasons where we see the doctor just snapping his fingers and opening that door even some of the companions snap their finger and the the tardis opens the door which your per your your taste in that may vary but, yeah, I mean, this is a great two-parter. This is a great... I, I wouldn't say that this is a great introduction to the Tenth Doctor, but it is one of the best adventures of the Tenth Doctor in his run. And definitely a great Donna episode to show the life that she has always dreamed of and just, you know, the acting of Catherine Tate as she's going through this, this crisis of either going back to reality or staying in the fantasy world where she has everything she's ever wanted. All right. So, yeah, I think that's all we can say about the 10th doctor at this point. Obviously, uh, as we said, uh, Donna Noble would aunt would uh, leave the show. Catherine Tate would leave the show at the end of the season in her big tragic ending where she is, has her, her mind erased and she goes away. And, of course, David Tennant would stay on for a few more uh, specials the following year before himself walking away from the show. And we get uh, Matt Smith as the new Doctor. But we will talk about that another day. We are putting the TARDIS away for a few weeks before we get into um, the the 11th Doctor next month. And, uh Yeah. But as for next week, we are really getting we are going to start getting into the spooky season with a Disney classic. The adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Disney's take on The Wind and the Willows and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so come back next week for the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X formerly known as Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support.
1: The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org.
0: The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project
1: provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues.
2: They can be found at thetrevorproject.org.
0: Or find a way to
2: help in your area.